0: You're listening to the HS DNA Podcast from the Garden State. Your host, Justin Starbird, and guests from HS Design walk you through each step of the medical product development process. Listen in as they discuss topics like contextual research, human factor testing, and conceptualization, giving you the best practices and real examples of success in the field. And now, here's your host, Justin Starbird.
1: Hey, and welcome back to this episode of HS DNA. My name is Justin Starbird. Today, I'm joined by principal of HS Design, Tor Alden. Welcome back, Tor. How are you today?
2: Good. Thanks for having me back, Justin.
1: Hey, uh, always a pleasure to have you on and and great to catch up. Um, It's been a while since we actually spoke and done one of these together. So, you know, tell me what's on your mind today.
2: Um, you know, today I thought we'd talk a little bit about, um, industrial design, uh, user interface design and, and more, I guess, focus on aesthetics. So in the past we've, you know, because we're a medical product design firm, um, we always get caught up in the importance of quality, 1345, human factors, et cetera. And, you know, because we live in such a regulated, uh, industry, it's pretty easy to get caught up in these details. Uh, you know, regarding the FDA, human factors, and quality. So I thought today it would be kind of fun to talk uh, about something a little bit more perceptual, um, something I've been actually thinking a lot about lately, the importance of good design in medical and life science product development. It sometimes just gets overlooked based on uh, all these other important uh, looming uh, tasks such as quality and human factors, right? So, um, and again, what I want to kind of be clear about what I want to talk about today, when I talk about design, I mean, inclusively industrial design UI, but, but more importantly, the user experience, how that product is perceived from the out of box experience all the way to its end of life, uh, of the product. Sure. Um, well, it, it
1: actually, it, it seems obvious, maybe I'm wrong, that design would actually be a critical factor in developing a product. What am I missing?
2: Um, well, so I just got back from Detroit, uh, where I was part of uh, the jury for the International Design Excellence Award, IDEA. And this is a premier design competition that crosses all industries from transportation, consumer electronics, home goods, industrial, commercial, branding, digital interaction, you name it design strategy design service or service design as they call it and mm-hmm. including medical and health uh, products there were over 1600 entries with over 700 entries in, in, entering the final round so it's really exciting for at least me personally to see these other industries and how medical and life science is really comparing with with with, with everybody else and i guess i'm i'm bringing this up because uh, there's definitely a trend in the design community for simplification, minimalism, sustainability, and usability. But also a really big trend is connectivity or basically connected smart devices. Mm-hmm. This trend is carried over in all categories, but really what struck out to me was the sophistication of the medical and health category and really um, with the premier sort of level that it, it's coming. I was co-chair of the medical section and, you know, in my humble opinion, I think it was like the the, the strongest section this year. It dominated uh, a few other sections uh, based on its overall design and details. So that's a long intro to basically asking your question, <laughs> what are you missing about um, design and how it's critical for medical products? But it does seem obvious. Um, industrial design though, for a long time has always been considered. Not necessarily an afterthought, but, but something that either engineering or marketing would can sort of contain or, or uh, put a sort of boundaries on It basically became you know if, if we had an extra budget or if we could do something, um, let's put some styling on or, or you know uh, get get a, a, a different look just for, for the sake of differentiation. Um, I'm happy to say that I think things have uh, changed and they have changed for for the period of time. Uh, probably over the past 10 years, there's been this push to um, include design more more upfront. There's always been this kind of talk of design at the head of the table, uh, you know, kind of, or within the, the, the head of the table, talking to the, to the leaders of, you know, the CEOs and and the main uh, business decision makers. and it, And it's really kind of coming down or boiling down to, uh, design being included as an upfront process. It includes the initial design, system thinking. Some people call it design thinking, but uh, it's really system thinking. Mm-hmm. Uh, user research, holistic design, understanding how products basically go. To my point earlier, from from cradle to grave. Sure. And 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 I just you know just to follow up, it's it's from from that experience in Detroit, um, it's really. It's kind of given my passion pack to kind of say you know that, that medical is is really doing it right uh, the award-winning designs all included uh, similar design methodologies that focused on pure you know upfront research researching the stakeholders needs integrating the environment of use the whole out of box experience so collaboration was high in, in industrial design UI human factors mechanical software electrical but it, you know design was really bringing back all these touch points that made the designs more experiential and more intuitive to use. You know, you mentioned a lot of different, uh, you know, as you just say,
1: checkpoints uh, for design to drive, you know, the end product, right? What are those, like, are, are those boxes that that companies are now checking that they weren't checking before? How would you, what would you attribute to that?
2: That's, that's an interesting question. Um, yeah, you know, HSD. Uh, we've always been a medical and life science product development firm, uh, but but we have always sort of had our roots in design, and design's really part of our culture. Mm-hmm. So when we talk about design, we're talking about again digital and physical, right? So that means the design is really all about the overall user experience. So you know, back to your kind of question of of what are the check boxes? Uh, I think it boils down to, you know, there's not just one, there are many, and, and they're highly collaboratively interlinked. Um, but it's, you know, the number one I see out of all of our projects where I could I could almost pinpoint directly the success uh, of, of why a product has reached an award-level status or, or has, has made a successful entry to the market is it, the need of a design champion. And that product champion could be the CEO, it could be a project manager, uh, a product manager, uh, but it needs somebody within the team that can push and and risk some of the some fallback uh, that they may get by pushing that 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 constant um, message that that they need to have this design uh, to be successful. Mm-hmm. Um, and and again, as you go into a multi uh, collaborative group you can t- see how some group think happens decisions are watered down the design intent becomes maybe a little fuzzy bringing that champion back to, to make sure it's it's all those points are hit is important um, the other the other couple th- three or four that I think are important connection with the users uh, you know this is something that in medical design it's really driven home that I think a lot of other design Industries may uh, not have the exact uh, the exact same drive to get because they don 't have the fear of the fda uh, mm-hmm. and that's that 's a, a nice feature for us because they, are, they do require us to do contextual research they do require us to test the the in informative or summative tests with the user, so we get those touch points to make those decisions so it's, it's uh, you know we can gauge how intuitive the operation is or or how collaborative the, the, uh, the product is with other products within the environment. Uh, good design, in my opinion, is honest. And that means the simplicity and, and uh, the seamlessness of user experience, not trying to create something that it's not. So you know, it's a balance between that simplicity and, a, and creating a personality of the product that makes that design successful. Uh, yeah no
1: those are I think that's all like i, I, I it leads to a couple of other questions and I don't know if I, if I cut you off there but um you know one of the things that i would i would ask for you is like you know as you as you say that uh, at this conference you saw the development of medical devices you know being potentially superior to some of the other industries you know Uh, what do you see as some of the differences between, you know, medical or other professional industries? And, you know, how, how is, how are you seeing that that medical design is now, you know, the leader or the cutting edge of design?
2: That's a great transition. Um, You know, medical has traditionally followed other industries, as I sort of indicated before, such as consumer or commercial. Um, And it still does in some way. I mean, we take our design cues from, Automotive, we take our design cues from consumer products. But medical devices are incorporating um, many of the same technologies that consumer and and automotive are, and maybe even pushing forward. For example, AI, AR, wearable. So talking about artificial intelligence within the medical devices or, um, uh, so so for example, um, talk about AI for a second. AI is, is driving the way the medical systems are, are, are being sold at probably at an equal to a, a same pace as consumer and automotive. So this is allowing the design to push the envelope of the aesthetics and the system thinking to new applications. And when I talk about aesthetics, I think it's important to kind of talk about the appropriateness of aesthetics. And this is a key word that we use a lot in our industry appropriate aesthetics. And and what that means is that every product has its own uh, purpose. And if you match the aesthetics with its purpose, you'll communicate that product to uh, the user in a much easier fashion. So an example of this, is, for example, is if a product is uh, supposed to be rugged or, or um, you know, ambulatory, it should have that communication of, of. Uh, a toughness if it's a disposable it shouldn't look like it's going to last for 20 years so how do you create you know if it's a precision product for example how do you communicate that it's uh, should be treated with respect if it's cleanable how the surfaces are treated all these things are based on the environment and if you do it right the aesthetics isn't about i'm trying to match this trend or i'm trying to to match this product line but It's really about how it fits within the environment. And, you know, we can talk more about that later about, you know, how it incorporates with brand identity. That's a whole other thing. But lastly, what I wanted to kind of just hit on was that getting back to your point of why you think medical design is becoming cutting edge. uh, We're seeing so many first of kind products now, maybe it's because of these new technologies, but the, that there's this blend of, uh, or this blur of boundaries from traditional devices and all of these products need to be humanized. Mm -hmm. So it's that combination of pushing technologies, the need for humanization and, uh, this whole connected health is becoming, uh, and, and, and really important. Uh, I'll, I'll just add, I know I'm I'm going on crazy here, (laughs) but the real important part is the fact that maybe 10 years ago, medical products cared about obsolescence a lot more than they do now because now technology is moving forward uh, at a high pace. Uh, Products are coming out quicker and there isn't this need to say this product has to stay in that lab for 10 years. The expectation is that product may be gone in 10 years. Um, So, you know, and, and again, let's not forget human factors. Um, Human factors is probably um, one of the big, benefits to, to design on the medical side because they're helping us uh, communicate to the stakeholders the importance of uh, the iterative design approach, the integrating visual cues for ergonomics, and, and so on.
1: Well, and if you have, uh, if you have uh, human factor studies and you have um, results from that, then it's probably easier, to your point earlier, about having a, a leader within a business you know, stick their neck out and to help push design forward because now they've got, you know, some kind of, they have data to actually show that it's going to, you know, make an impact and change, no? Absolutely. Um, Absolutely. So you do say, you know, human factors and and uh, and design interact, I, you know, for those that um, that are, are listening and learning more about, you know, the HSD approach, your approach to design, what's the difference between good human factors, and good design?
2: That's a great question, uh, Justin. Uh, human factors is getting a lot of attention today in the medical industry, no doubt. Um, the revisions of 61010 and 60601, which are IEC documents that are guiding either lab equipment or medical design equipment, are sort of the bibles for engineering as they develop the products. Uh, and, and recently, the, the new Uh, revs of these docs are including uh, human factors guidance. And and basically, these are guidance documents from the FDA. So these documents now include IEC uh, 60601. uh, I mean, includes 62366. A lot of numbers going out here, right? But (laughs) this is the difference between medical design and and regular, uh, just classic industrial design. We have to kind of sort of understand that landscape of human factors and what what the the real difference for us as designers is being able to justify the design or the ui in these verification and validation studies we call them formative and summative tests Mm -hmm. and so it's so i guess what I'm, i'm i'm getting at is that back to human factors human factors has its roots in engineering it focuses on ergonomics and general usability. Uh, the, the human factor group has been cross-pollinated with the design community recently, which is great, but their real case is is or their real sort of um, purpose is to make sure that they mitigate risk and they, they increase usability. What good design does is it incorporates that intuitive design and aesthetic to help human factors or help the users uh, be more interactive with the products intuitively. So you can reduce, for example, instructions for use. You can reduce uh, warning labels because it's, it's inherently obvious based on the, uh, the, the aesthetics. So mm-hmm. the difference between good design and, and human factors, uh, one is stretching on mitigating risk. One is uh, you know, going more towards personalization differ- differentiation. But there's this common ground where it comes down to general good usability, and uh, I hope that made sense.
1: Yeah, no, I think it does, uh, and uh, you know it's uh, important that we distinguish those two. So, you know, I think uh, uh, I think your answer is you know spot on, and you're on with the latest episode of HS DNA. My name is Justin Starbird, and today our guest is principal of HS Design, uh, Tor Alden. So let's go back to um, the ID and UI impact usability for just a second. And does the FDA actually monitor or evaluate the design um, aesthetics of a of a product? I think you know we we did throw out a lot of numbers in that last segment and uh, question, um, and and then we talked about aesthetics before. But how important is that to say the FDA and other regulatory uh, other regulatory institutions?
2: Um. Yeah, I mean, I think it's important to kind of really go back to the roots and, and understand that the FDA is really only uh, concerned about safety and efficacy. They don't care about market success, right? So um, that said, design contributes to the implied use and increased performance, but it also in, it, 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 it cares about that product reaching the customer's uh, core level of, of uh you know, need and and wanting to purchase that product, so it, it, it brings in the um, differentiation of one product over another. Uh, there are other en- agencies, for example, that uh, protect people from problematic design. I mentioned, you know, the the IEC documents like six hundred six hundred one. Yep. Um They're they're covered by UL requirements that that protect products from sharp edges or open vents where you could stick your finger in uh, to prevent electrocution, things like that. However, it's hard to test aesthetics as it relates to safety. Um, it does work in conjunction with ergonomics and, and good design. Uh, obviously, uh, a good design would, would eliminate a sharp edge that would be a potential uh, hazard to, to uh, a user. But again, back to you know the, the design aesthetics, Intuitive usability and ergonomics are driven from good and well thought out industrial design and user interface design. So with medical design, you know, the regulatory bodies need to know uh, how you got to your solution. This puts a lot more ownership on the development of usability testing contributing to the easy use and the intuitive operation. Uh, I don't know if that answered your question. Yeah, I think so. I think it
1: clarifies,
2: you know, which role
1: they play Uh, in in that and you know that actually my next question uh, you know which goes back to the uh, elements of design and and specifically industrial design and we keep going back and forth about industrial design versus um, uh, versus other other elements that go into uh, you know creating product Uh, let me ask you how does that industrial design actually affect the overall usability when it comes to a finished good?
2: Yeah, that's a, that's a great question as well. And um, it kind of brings back how a design firm approaches the problem. So I can speak you know, specifically to HSD and how we handle this. Uh, we're a user-centered design firm, uh, and uh, we focus on usability. So with that said, we've developed a methodology for industrial design and UI that incorporates three critical functions, system architecture, interaction, and aesthetics. The system architecture, that's sort of your bone structure, how that product really fits within uh, the system level, right, of where you're placing the components for either balancing within the hand that you have a, a better degree of design, uh, you know, freedom, or, or it's the environment, how, how it withstands uh, your, your, for example, your electrical and fluidics being uh, not, you know, creating a problem together. So it's, it's that system architecture isn't right from the beginning. You're really designing from an uphill standpoint where you're never just going to get it the way you want it. So that's an important part of our beginning of a design process is really to incorporate good system architecture and understanding why these components are placed from where they should be or shouldn't be, right? The other is interaction that I mentioned, and that's really just the fit and form, how that product meets the user's expectations, the intuitiveness uh, the better we understand how people think or behave or use that product, the better we can design that to be as more intuitive for, for uh, the, the various users that are, that are using the product. And then finally, and not to be, you know, last, but that visual, that appropriate look and feel, that aesthetic, that appropriate aesthetic enhancing or differentiating that user experience, maximizing that brand of lang- that brand language, Aesthetics is the form and, and the form is the first thing that first pers- the first thing a person sees uh, it's the perception that they give get from that product, whether it's a quality product, whether it's a disposable, whether it's supposed to be uh, you know, dropped on the floor or treated with kit gloves. It sure. communicates the product's purpose and brand. And those three things combined together, if you do it right, um, you know, that's that's where you get the award winning products.
1: Well, let's let's take it full circle, right? Because we just talked about design. You just mentioned aesthetics. I, that that aesthetic piece it's so um, important to say. You know, uh, the way a you know uh, a Ford F one hundred and fifty looks versus a you know GMC uh, you know full size pickup truck, right? Or and then you know versus an Apple uh, you know iPhone or a MacBook Pro, right? That that um, the way that it feels. Uh, and looks, and that important is is important to the brand. How do you include that as you're going through and uh, working with some of these clients?
2: Wow, that, that could be a whole separate podcast right there, but <laughs> yeah, I mean uh, I'll try to hit to it. Um, aesthetics, to your point, is very personal. Uh, and there have been a lot of trends in design, and these trends you know are are a combination between culture, technology, the environment, and the aesthetics, you know, helps with custom uh, companies brand identity and the look and feel of products, just like you mentioned with between the Ford and the GMC. So several schools of thought have been developed in this matter, you know, uh, way back in the beginning, early form follows function, which everybody probably heard of uh, is, is on the other end of this spectrum is form follows emotion. Uh, how do you determine whether or not you're just designing a product for sheer impact versus pure function? It's easy to kind of say that medical should always follow function and, and you know, that's going to be the safe way that anybody would approach it, but you do and you have opportunities if you're experienced enough in the medical industry to create uh, a little bit more of that emotion and that, that more passion of that product. Um, So, in medical, uh, it's a combination. Design serves two masters: the company and the user. As, a techni- as the technology evolves, so does the design, mm-hmm. and where the appropriateness of aesthetics—that's where it really comes into play. So, for example, a consumer medical product may want to stand out or blend in to minimize patient labeling. You know, for example, um, you know, think about hearing aids. Uh, there's a negative aesthetic associated with them. You're old. You're out of touch right? Their beige, non-differentiated look, um, you know, h- how does that make you really feel what wearing hearing aids? Now, look at Apple earbuds and how the aesthetic evokes youth and mobility, you know, and the difference you'll see of a person wearing earbuds versus hearing aids, you know—you automatically have, oh, this guy, you know, is, is older, this guy is hip and youthful. So why can't medical design focus on these factors? Why do hearing aids have to create a negative aesthetic. And I think we're seeing in the future that they won't, and they will be sort of moving towards that earbud uh, you know, look and feel. And this kind of gets me back to the Ida medical winners that I opened up with. Um, they all shared one thing in common, understanding of use, integrating appropriate aesthetics with the technology of that use. Um, there were several products that really stood out. And if you have some time, I'll just kind of go through a few of them. Yeah, of course. So one of them really, really stood out, and that was an example of treating scoliosis. So if you can imagine some of those old uh, uh, braces that you see in in some of these older movies, where they're all metal and or heavy vests that are very stereotypical of disease or fragility, right? a um, Gump, whatever. Exactly, a yeah. yeah. Gump, right? Uh, that's what people think about a back brace. Yep. Uh, So what this one company did, uh, they used new materials, new technology uh, that was used in in sports equipment. For example, the BOA um, uh, fastening device that you see on sneakers and snowboards and the like. Mm -hmm. They utilized materials that had uh, breathability and and compression uh, integrated within the fibers of the product. So the aesthetics on this was to minimize the device uh, allowing the users to wear it under clothes undetected, and it minimizes the perception of of that uh, sickness, if you will. To uh, and it gives that 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 person the freedom and mobility to experience other things. And again, I'll get back to scoliosis. It's primarily in children, so you can imagine the 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 opportunity a child now has with this new device that breaks through that sort of non-traditional Method for these type of products. Um, it was amazing and, and again, you know I could keep going on and on. I'll, I'll just mention maybe one more, and that was you know MRI machines. Uh, have you ever had a, an MRI done? Yes, so they've typically been you know very uh, claustrophobic. You're going into a, a very cold and sterile room. you're asked to lie down and, and not move, uh, and you're really you sort of sort of very anxious, right? Yeah, And a lot of people are actually have to give, uh, get medication to reduce that anxiety. So one, other, other, one of these companies is really pushing the, the boundaries by integrating the whole environment, including the room itself, with lighting that can change based on if you're a child or if you're an adult uh, to basically more of a calming aesthetic. Mm-hmm. They've opened up the MRI experience so it's not as claustrophobic reducing noise and, and keeping this, the surface treatments friendly. So all this kind of relates to minimizing the patient's anxiety. Uh, and this is all, both of these are based all on aesthetics. And it's, it's, it's also has, you know, obviously thoughtful uh, interfaces to help the technicians, uh, you know, to be more intuitive. But, but by and large, these products stand out specifically based on how they treated the environment and the aesthetics. Mm-hmm. And and you know I'll just I'll just say that that if if you can if you can design a product uh, you know focusing on some signature elements for example color uh, and and differentiate your product it's it's you can you can get both of both worlds that I mentioned before or, you know the best of both worlds you can get the user experience but also create a brand identity for your 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 your, your company moving forward.
1: And that's really important, right? Because then that goes back to being able to uh, be an extension of your brand story and help in marketing. And now that becomes something you're known for and the more products that get out there, the uh, the bigger the brand becomes. Right. So I, I totally get that. I think that's well, uh,
2: well, I mean, I, I think it's even more than that. Uh, Justin, I think it's, yeah. it's like, if you think about it um, in brand identity, uh, if you have, let's go back to that MRI machine, typically hospitals have one uh, you know, OEM that they go to. And if you, if you have one product that has a user interface that does one thing one way, and it does it really well, and you introduce a new product in in the same company and that product doesn't have share that same uh, intuitive use and operation, there's a learning curve that needs to happen. So just like, as you get into your, you know, your, your Ford F-150, you know where your ignition is, you know, where the, the transmission is, you have this sort of head start on depending on if you get into another Ford, you're pretty much sure that that the the, the the key isn't going to be in the same place, that the 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 UI is going to be similar. And that gives you that sort of added umbrella of brand identity crossing boundaries where you know, and that's really where where it comes into play.
1: So as we wrap up today, do you have any final thoughts on the future of design as it relates to medical product development?
2: Uh, yeah. I mean, so industrial design, you know, has matured greatly since its inception. Um, UI for, for its part is relatively new. AR is, is even newer, right? Um, so the combination of technology that has led us down this pathway is really now becoming the champion to help humanize and simplify these new technologies. So much more integration as well as, well, honesty, honesty in the design and what we deliver is really where design is standing out and becoming more important for products as they hit the market. Uh, And this is where I think designers can add value. Um, Yes, we're creative. Yes, we can design to increase manufacturing and aid in branding. However, my belief is that the the role of industrial design today are really more uh, advocates of the user. Uh, for example, you know, when we're developing a product, we're sort of the, or the industrial design community is is, is, is sort of the ombudsman, if you will, for um, keeping track of, of the patients, the nurses and the doctors' needs and bringing that sort of, um, those insights back to the engineers and the marketing and, and making sure that, that they're not left out. So with that, the medical designers specifically uh, are, are learning to speak different languages. You know, before, you know, we're speaking science, we're speaking engineering, we're speaking medicine, marketing, and design. So we are becoming that common bridge that uh, in the development process and the champion of the user. So, and again, uh, you know, I'll just, I'll sum it up by saying, based on what I saw as an IDA panel member this year, um, medical design is, is really becoming the leader and pushing the design trends forward um, it has a unique affordance of going beyond styling and form, working collaboratively with the human factors and engineers, and, and also collaboratively with the, with the uh, uh, marketing and doctors themselves. So I'm really excited and I can't wait to see what's happening in the next five years. Well, let me tell you,
1: I feel like we just uncovered you know three or four more topics to go and explore in depth here for uh, future podcasts, So I think this is a wealth of information and, you know, to that last point, you know, that's got that as a patient, or as a person in that space that, you know, would benefit from the uh, development of new products and to know that there's this level of, Uh, collaboration that goes into each one that creates solutions to problems that a lot of people don't even know exist is actually quite refreshing to hear and a real good nugget of great news you know in a world filled with you know a lot of negativity so I appreciate you bringing this all forward and and making it um, come to light so you know thank you for uh, coming on today and and sharing your insights thanks so much Justin all right yeah until next time
0: This has been the latest episode of the HSDNA Podcast. On behalf of our guests today and host Justin Starbird, thank you for listening. As always, to listen to other episodes of HSDNA, go to hs-design.com and scroll over the HSDNA tab on our menu. Until next time, thanks for listening.